Hello and welcome to a special update episode of Proof. I'm here with Jacinda and Kevin to cover several important events that have happened in the past week. Hi guys. Hey Susan. Hey Susan. It's been a big week for you, huh? It, it's been a crazy week. I feel like I'm still trying to clip myself after spiraling out for all the chaos in a good way that's been going on. Um, Tell us what happened. So, so we, we're here. We, we plan to record some of a big update about Lee and Kane's case for you. But before we get to that, uh, we also had a even bigger update and another case I've worked on uh, for Adnan Syed. Um, if you have been living under a rock and missed the news, he was released earlier this week after the judge ordered uh, his, that his conviction should be vacated. Um, and here to talk about that with us is Robbie Shadri. Ravia, welcome to Proof. Hi, thanks for having me. Excited so to be here. So it's a, it's been a week. <laughs> it's been quite a week, yeah. But you know, it's it's been a long time coming, as you know, Susan. It's been far too long coming, but we always knew one day we'd get here. I think most people know the backstory, but how how did you two meet and start working on this case together? <laughs> Twitter. Twitter and Susan's blog. And I, I will never forget the day, Susan. So uh, Susan started blogging about the case and people on Reddit were sharing it. And then I think we started talking over Twitter and I said, you know what? I'm reading your blog and you have like, you're so smart. You're so brilliant. Will you come and like, we'll just work. Like if I give you the files, we work on the case. And Susan comes over and I've got all the files in my like living room or something. And she's like, oh, are you sure you want to do this? This could be a big mistake. <laughs> no, I think I said it was a big mistake, but I wanted it anyway. No, you said it could be. You said it could be. <laughs> well, it wasn't. You were right. It was the opposite mm-hmm. of a mistake. Yeah. I, mean, I remember the I time figured... too, I went to your place because the files with Shanti. So that happened. That is right. <laughs> That's incredible that it was just Twitter that brought you two together. And now how many years later yeah. and this week has just been so exciting for everybody. Congratulations to both of you. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's amazing to me also that like in the state's motion is evidence that, you know, Susan and Colin um, literally like reported years ago, you know, discovered and reported years ago. That's amazing. Yeah, our very first episode of Undisclosed, which was just excellent audio quality all around. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we covered how uh, not her real name, Kathy, Christy Ginson had the wrong day. And yeah. then, you know, it goes from there a couple years later. Amy Berg uh, does the HBO special on Anand's case, and she actually finds the the school records that prove that that proved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Susan got to that uh, conclusion just by like pulling together all these little threads and pieces and said it just doesn't, you know, like that was the, you know just 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 saying that you know it just it. I mean, it wasn't definitive, but it was like probably like it was almost impossible that it would have been the right day, right, for her to have. Yeah, everything's um, pointing that same direction. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for, and, and, and for Amy's documentary and that piece of evidence that came in the documentary to be in the state's motion, incredible, once again. Yeah. So, Ravia, what's the best food Anand's had since he got home? The best food? Um, I don't know. When a man gets up in the middle of the night and eats chicken tenders, that seems like, <laughs> but, but, but he's had everything. He's had Pakistani food. Um, he's had kebabs. He's had probably maybe lobster is the best thing. I don't know. Or cheesesteaks. It depends on 
what you like best. I'm not really sure. I should ask him though. <laughs> I haven't asked him what's been his favorite treat so far, but I was like, Adnan came out looking all buff. I don't know how long that's going to last. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, I mean, you've, you've been able to see him and talk to him. How is he doing? Oh, he's, he's doing great. I mean, the, you know, the, the whole plan had been after he got out um, that, you know, when he'd go home, he would spend a little bit of time with his family and then he would go and um, he would just be whisked away to, to where he's staying for the next 30 days. But then the, the mosque, you know, like is down the road, the community just started dropping by open door, open house. And he was there for hours greeting people. Um, and he's also not the kind of person turning away. And he was just he was so happy the whole time. He's like, you know what? This was a, actually an amazing reunion because these were people who'd known him since he was born. And um, and every time I talk to him, he just sounds like, you know, just like he usually does, you know, mostly lighthearted, funny. And he's just hanging in there. But, you know, like, but, you know, we are, he is still in a, I say we, but we are, he is in a pre-trial posture. So there are some limitations to what he can do and say, and he's trying to keep a low profile. Yeah. One day, hopefully very, very soon, once this is actually finalized and done. I look forward to meeting him. Yeah, absolutely. That's already been like, we've already talked about that season, that meeting, <laughs> but we just got to get through, like, I think these 30 days will determine it. Yeah. It may be. So I know that um, Erica, his attorney has said that it's possible they'll set a trial date for him just as a procedural matter, because I know one right. thing they're waiting for is DNA testing, yeah. which may not be back by the, the court's 30 day deadline. So that would allow them to continue it without finalizing anything but yeah. be, if that happened that'd be just procedural at this point I think and, and Erica said it would be like a placeholder type of thing and it's possible but I'm, I'm not worried I was going to ask him but you just explained it Robbie so setting a court date would basically just hold it until it just prolongs it a little bit there's because it gives them more time to complete their investigation um, right. otherwise they're gonna they have like a 30-day deadline to make a decision and if they don't have the, you know, Mosby has clearly said that her decision is going to kind of be based on this, whatever comes back in the rest of the DNA. So if they don't have it, they might just set a date just to, cause they can always, you know, they can always like null pros, even if they set a date, um, they'll just wait for the DNA. But hopefully, you know, we, I and Adon's family, we met with Mosby before the hearing on Monday and we asked, you know, when she expected the rest. And she really, she said she expects the rest of the DNA to come back within the next month or within this coming month. Yeah, it, it might get here in time. If not, though, that sounds like that's the plan. And I can't yeah. wait for like the all the media and like Twitter to like take it the totally wrong way and be like, oh, they are retrying him. So, yeah. And, you know, you know, remember last week when the motion was actually filed and, and the motion said something like, you know, we're not declaring him actually innocent. And people were like, well, see, that means he's not actually. And I was like, you still, we got to read between what, like what's actually happening here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because um, it's like, you can't have it both ways. You can't be like, hey, judge, we are actively investigating, but also we're declaring him is like, they have to wait till they're done their investigation. Yeah. And one interesting twist that's happened is uh, sort of a conflict within the Maryland attorney system uh, where yeah. Mosby, the state's attorney, she's the one who was behind this motion at the circuit court. Uh, but the attorney general of Maryland, Ryan Frosch, has come out and said that uh, he, he's been told from his people that no Brady violation was done. So I'm looking forward to get to the bottom of that one. I mean, you know, th- at this point, here's how I feel about that whole thing. This is a it's kind of, a, I think, a political match between them. Yep. Um, and maybe it's not about a non. Match. It's right. This is not about like the record. This is not I mean, even 
the state has the, the court has accepted the state stipulation that there was a Brady violation. Simple is done. There's nothing uh, Attorney General Frosch can now say. I would like to appeal this, and I would like to like somehow you know have that decision reversed. He can't do it. He can't do it. I mean, there's no there. It has no actual effect on the case for him to say say what he's saying. Every day in America, 60 million packages are delivered, but we don't always know what's inside. He bent down to pick the package up. That's when the device detonated. Danger is everywhere, and no one is safe in Austin, Texas, as law enforcement hunts a serial bomber for 19 days. From Sony Music Entertainment, Campside Media, and Pegalo Pictures, this is Witnessed. 19 days. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts to binge all episodes or listen weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. So once once that is resolved, once the GPS monitor is off and he is a fully free man, does he have like a bucket list of things to, to places to go, things to see? I mean, honestly, we didn't talk about it. We, we you know, I'm going to shock some people with this. I think Anand wants to go to law school. Um, he's, <laughs> he wants to finish his Georgia. He wants to finish his bachelor's at Georgetown because he started it. But I guess he cannot continue to be part of it. He's pretty sure since he's no longer a prison scholar. Um, so there's that question of how does he continue that education? And, and he's talked about law school a couple of times, you know, and I, and I've told him that, you know, listen, if you're thinking about law school, because you feel like any pressure from the world, like you got to somehow give back. I was like, you could do, you can go, you can become a fisherman. You can do anything you want with the rest yeah. of your life. You don't have to do anything, but if that's what he wants, that would be awesome. Um, I don't know where else he, like, he hasn't really, honestly, what he really wants <clears throat> is to just spend as much time with his parents as he can. You know, they're both elderly and not well. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, I think the top of his bucket list right now. I mean, the man did bring his homework home with him from prison. So maybe he would be <laughs> fit in a law school. He'll be like, he's gone It was, you know, th- that was the one thing he didn't give away from his prison cell. Everything else he gave away. Isn't that crazy? Is that what he was carrying in that one? I, I did see one piece of footage of him walking down the street, holding a, like a binder full of stuff. Yep. <laughs> it was his Georgetown binder. That had stickers on it. And the funny thing is like, so where I was seated, I was seated right in front of the door that led to the hallway where they would bring him in from. So me and maybe the few people sitting around me could see him before he actually entered the room. And I remember each time he entered, because I think he entered twice, I was like, what is in, what is he carrying? Like that thick binder. And I could see the stickers, but you know, my mind was in a million places. I just didn't make the connection that, oh my God, of course, that's his, that's where he's going to school. Um, but yeah, it was really cute when I realized when when it finally dawned on me that oh, that's the school binder. Yeah. <laughs> when was the first time you actually saw him free? I I left the courthouse before that oh. part happened, so I saw y'all walk out in the street. But I don't know when yeah. he got. Un- I mean, I saw him get unshackled oh, too. But that moment, so once the courtroom was empty and it was literally just the four or five of us family, um, and you know I'm honorary family at this point um the judge did the i can't remember this is what i'm trying to remember uh because things were a little bit of a blur if she asked for the shackles to be removed before everybody else left or after did she do that in front of you guys yeah 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 okay so the shackles have been removed but and you know i spoke to non he, he told me this yesterday he said you know after the shackles removed he said the um the sheriff's deputies kept whispering to him hey you can turn around and like smile at your family and wave and Adnan. Having spent 23 years being told, not doing anything that he's not told to do or allowed to do, just wouldn't do it. And so what happened was the courtroom empties. We're sitting there like just in dead silence, like the five of us and Adnan at his table with his attorney. And the judge is looking at papers and she looks up and she says to him, Mr. Saeed, go, get up, go to your family. (laughs) Wow. 
and it was incredible and that was oh my god in that moment yeah and he gets up and he walks around like that banister and you know it was just it was we we it's it, just taking just knowing we could just walk right out it's like you know you keep expecting somebody to come shackle him I haven't seen him unshackled since he was 17 wow yeah it was incredible yeah. I also know there was footage of Susan when with the first time she saw him coming out of the courtroom oh is there and, uh, it's the first time I've ever seen Susan speechless. <laughs> speechless. I was not speechless because someone pointed out that, like, I say very loudly on the uh, live stream. Oh shit! <laughs> That's wait, 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 I gotta see this. I missed this whole scene. I was talking to the, um, some of the other, um, some of the non's friends and Amy out in the outside of the courtroom steps, okay, and then okay. I turn around because so there's a big commotion and like. I expect it's like, you know, you and his family coming out. So I thought he had to be processed out in a couple hours. And yeah. then I realized like way too late, like that's him. Well, let me tell you guys, um, everybody knew that he was coming home already. He, so one thing that happened while, before the judge even ruled, we were waiting for the judge. to. I can't remember at what point there was some kind of break. The sheriff's deputy came over to us and said, and was leaning over and saying, okay, here's the game plan we're going to dismiss people. And then there's a van outside for him. And then we're going to walk out with the family. And we're looking at him like, I'm like, the judge hasn't ruled. Like, what are you? And I, then I, and I was like, okay, Rabia. And I, you know, don't say anything. And I was like, um, but he has to be processed for a few hours. Right. Like that'll take some time. And he goes, we already took care of it. I'm like, holy moly. Yeah. So, but even then it wasn't quite reg. You know, it wasn't until she said it stated that the motion's been, you know, granted his conviction has been vacated that I, that that's when I like completely broke down. But obviously if I was a little more like with it that day, I would have, and you know, it makes sense with a case this high profile, they have to kind of have everybody like, you know, on alert, knowing their places, knowing the choreography, knowing the movements, how the defendant's going to move. And uh, yeah. So they, they, he, they knew they already knew. And I think I mean, to some extent, there was going to be, there was going to be a reaction. So they had to be prepared for but, whatever chaos Came yeah. Next. So Anand said that, you know, when he, when they brought him from the, they brought him like at 5 a.m. from the prison or from the, yeah, from the prison um, to the courthouse and to the holding area, he said when he got out of the van, the prison van, usually it would be like COs and stuff that would come get him. He said this time it was the captain. And he's like, okay, that doesn't happen. And so <laughs> then he, then he was just like, but also over the weekend, we had been told, get him some nice clothes because we don't want him walking out looking raggedy. And we're like, what is this? Are they saying if he walks out, are they saying he's definitely, like, we're just trying, we're just keeping our head, you know, breath held and um, hoping we were understanding the signals the right way. In so many ways, it was exactly, like exactly as I had hoped and envisioned it all these years. Like, I'm like, this is exactly what I had wanted. Like this incredible homecoming, but not just that he's walking out and, you know, is basically exonerated, but also that the investigation remains open. And that's the shocking part to me. Honestly, that's That's the part I would never have predicted. Yeah. Yeah. So rare. But I think I even wrote that like at the end of my book, I'm like, you know, my prayer is not just that he comes home because there's lots of different mechanisms to get him home. But in most cases, we all know the state will just close the case and that's it. Yeah. I remember reading that part of your book. I'm like, okay, well, that's not going to (laughs) happen. Let's uh, let's keep reasonable (laughs) hopes here. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. 
I feel like in many ways, Susan, I, so many, everybody who's worked on this case, I feel like, I feel like we've all been like freed from it. Finally. I was like, I'm going to print t-shirts that say free Rabia from having to free Adnan. <laughs> so that, <laughs> uh, yeah. It does. It does mean we have more time for other cases. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. And what Anon has gone through, I mean, if it wasn't for Anon, there's a number of defendants who'd be in prison today. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's worth pointing out, though. So back in, what, 2017, 18? Around then, mm-hmm. Anon was offered a plea deal. He was, yeah. That's the, thing turned- about the, that's the thing about the Frosch thing, which makes me crazy. It's like, hello, Mr. Frosch. You're the same man who was willing to let him out thinking he's guilty and claiming he's guilty yeah but it's not about that it's he, he i don't it think down. So. and this that's where we are now that's a that was such a a bold move and like i remember at the time i was conflicted i'm like i i even felt really good about the supreme court hearing which yeah. turned out to not be good and even with that i was like oh god how like how can you turn down this yeah i mean look when now, I wasn't privy to the fact that he had even been, it was supposed to be like a secret plea deal that he had been even offered it. And then he later, t- that he turned it down. I found out after he turned it down. But, you know, Frosch wouldn't have offered it if Frosch didn't think that we were going to win at yeah. the Maryland Supreme Court. And so when we lost, I remember the first time I went to see Adnan after <clears throat> we'd lost, I think about uh, four or five weeks had gone by because I literally just shut completely down. I just couldn't think about the case I couldn't face him I because I didn't know where to go from there and when I went to see him he he had lost like 40 pounds his beard had gone like gotten all this white hair and he just and he sobbed and I I've never in all those years 20 years I had never seen him cry before and so just mean it was me and my husband just to give him comfort and then I was like why did I do this I said to him Adnan Frosh wanted four more years of your life give me those four years we're, I'm going to make sure you're out without a guilty plea. Give me the four. And after that moment, when we left, I was like, shit, why did I say that? Because <laughs> then I was like, I was like, the countdown is on. And the four years would have been up this coming March. So I'm glad we made the deadline. Oh. You only need three and a half. Yeah, <laughs> only three and a half. But believe me, I've been nervous because I'm like, we're, we're getting close to that promise of mine. But, um, you know. What do you think it was, Robbie, at that moment where you saw him breaking down for the first time? Do you feel like at that moment he he kind of gave up hope or what was it, do you think? I don't think any of us, that was the scary thing about that time because it was like, this is two courts overturning your conviction, right? Like with us, with an issue that strong, the alibi issues just seemed like, like an easy win, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um he had some incredible what, long shot wins and for this yeah. to be what turned him down like right and, and so i think what it was was that this well he did say he's like did i make a mistake in turning and i and he and i was like you didn't he's like okay i didn't um but this was just like i think his his having your ho- like hope is a scary thing i always whenever we work with any of our defendants families i'm always a little nervous about like you know their the expectation and the hope there right. And I think it was him, like just you know, the grief of not having hope. And in those, and and for six months, for those six months, actually even longer than that, I didn't have any hope. I didn't know what to do next. I was yeah, like, there was I don't no know where to go. Four. There was no clear yeah. like, where, where do you turn at that point? It was like back to zero. It was a reset. Yeah. He he still had options. There were still things on the table, but like there was no inertia behind any of them. There was no clear way forward. 
Yeah. And we, I didn't know, you know, I had to, I pulled together um, on the advice of a, another friend who is, works with a DOJ, she's an attorney. She said, listen, um, what you need to do is like pull together kind of a legal brain trust, you know, a bunch of different lawyers, get them in a room and then like say, this is where we are. What's, what should be next steps? That brain trust led to, and, and Erica Suda was part of that little brain trust trust. Um, led to me deciding that, well, first making the decision that we did need a new legal team, yeah, which makes sense. Well, it's been far too long a time coming, but we're <laughs> finally here. I know, I know. I'm so excited. I was, I, I, you know, I have been um, one of our undisclosed, um, actually a number of our undisclosed defendants have hearings coming up. Yeah. But uh, in one of the cases, Greg Lance case, when we filed the DNA petition, the DA filed a opposition brief that's like 70 pages long and I just want to burn Putnam County to the ground so I'm like as soon as the non-stuff is over I'm going out to Putnam County <laughs> get this guy voted out or so I you know what I mean but it's like it was just too much I couldn't give attention to both things at once and so I'm happy that I can give attention to other cases now too and more County is not ready for the full Rabia there. <laughs> <laughs> I will be there I will be there <laughs> Well, I want to just read something that Colin posted the other day on Twitter, undisclosed. 27 cases covered, 13 exonerations, two stays of execution, one commutation, and one grant of parole. I mean, that is pretty kick-ass. That's amazing. It is. <laughs> it's amazing. It, it is. It's all yeah. moving on. Well, I mean, I think Susan and Colin had a lot to do with it. They had almost <laughs> everything to do with it. Um but certainly Adnan did ignite it. Um, but let me just, I want the whole world to know this. Um, and I'm going to do that gratitude thread at some point when I can catch a breath. Um, but Susan and Colin, when they worked on Adnan's case, they didn't make a single penny off of it. It was thousands of hours of work that was completely voluntary. When we actually got some sponsors for our beautifully produced podcast, um, every dime of it was put in his, his trust fund because we've had to pay lawyers all these years. And so the debt that's owed to Susan and Colin. And then, and, and I think Susan is the one who said, oh, by the way, Georgia Innocence Project reached out to me and then just kept the ball rolling. <laughs> yeah, one case yeah. after another. So yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rabia, for uh, coming on and- right. Oh, that is my child's iPad. I'm so sorry, let me get out of the way. Of <laughs> all right, guys, thank you so much. Yeah. And thanks for all your work too. Thank you. Thank you, Rabia. for covering this. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye. bye. We also have some big news in Lee and Kane's case from season one of Proof. The Georgia Innocence Project, who represents Lee, has filed two filings on his behalf. Um, they filed a habeas petition in Coffee County, Georgia, and a extraordinary motion for a new trial in Floyd County. Well, I mean, that's a hugely exciting development, right? Because it's a huge step forward. It is the first step to getting them back in court. And they have a lot of grounds to raise. And it's not clear on the timeline exactly of when these motions will be heard in court, um, but there'll be two different proceedings going on, the one in Coffee County and then the one in Floyd. And hopefully we'll have more news there soon. Just real quickly, because I know everyone hears the term habeas, but I think few people know what it means. As I understand habeas, it basically is asking for a hearing for the court to rule if someone's being sort of wrongfully imprisoned. Is that right? Yeah. Habeas means like of the body and a habeas petition is always filed wherever physically someone is held. It is a challenge to their custody 
and is being filed in Coffee County because that is where Lee is being held. And coincidentally, or not so coincidentally, it's also where Kane's story is being held. He was transferred there recently, um, perhaps because the state foresees that there will be habeas petitions for both of them in the near future. And this way they can be heard in one hearing instead of two. So this is the first time they're back together in the same prison in several years, right? It is the first time in several years. Yeah. The fourth time overall over the many, over the two plus decades they've been together in prison, prison, but it is the first time in several years they've seen one another. So the habeas petition will be heard in Coffee County. And then what's, what's the motion that will be heard in Floyd County? So in Floyd County, there is an extraordinary motion for a new trial. These are typically filed uh, most often in like DNA hearings. They allow for a broader range sort of uh, claims to be raised than a habeas does. Um, And in this case, what the Georgia Innocence Project has filed is a motion stating that the conviction of Lee Clark is based on evidence that no longer stands, that the entire state's case has been demolished, and that new investigation and new evidence has proven all of it to be bunk, essentially. And my understanding, Susan, is that that motion um, is using a lot of the stuff we found out during the investigation we did for proof, specifically in this case, um, some of the issues surrounding Charlie Childers and his testimony, and also Angela Bruce and her testimony. Yeah, the uh, the motion refers to us as investigative podcasters and talks about our findings about Charlie and Angela Bruce, because really, at the end of the day, Angela Bruce and Charlie Childers were the state's case. They had other various evidence about free birds and the gang, but the only direct evidence that came from the party, Angela Bruce, and what Charlie Childers allegedly saw or didn't see, and that evidence essentially, as we discussed in the show, it's just not there. And when you say direct evidence, just it's been a while and someone wants to go back and listen to the podcast, but it's direct evidence linking yeah. Lee to the crime, putting yeah. Lee at the Bowling's trailer the night Brian was shot. I mean, the state had evidence about uh, that they said proved that there was a gang called the Freebirds. Um, as we discussed in the show, there's reason to be skeptical of that, but that's also not evidence of murder. Right. The evidence of murder came from Angela Bruce and Charlie Childers. So Susan, how optimistic are you as an attorney of these two filings? I mean, I never get optimistic because that asks for trouble, um, but I'm optimistic. <laughs> I just, it's very, they're very strong motions and nothing is ever, ever given um, in this realm. Nothing's ever a foregone conclusion, but there's a lot of material that the motion has to work with and it's just a very strong filing. I mean, the state's case has nothing left to it. Now, the only possible hurdle is that um, in Georgia, there it is very difficult to bring what's called like a su- successive um, habeas petition. You only get one, typically. And if you file one and you lose, you're done. Unfortunately, Lee Clark, when he was uh, just a few years into prison, 2002, he filed a pro se habeas. And he meaning he represented himself. He wrote it, filed it himself, showed up in court. And when he got to court, the judge asked him, like, did he want to proceed? And he realized he was in over his head. He didn't know what he was doing. And he said, no, he wanted to continue once. Now, unfortunately, in 2016, that habeas was officially dismissed. 
if that hadn't happened, then GIP could have amended the original habeas that was filed by Lee per se and gone from there. Uh, unfortunately, it was dismissed a few years back. So technically, uh, he's had his one shot at habeas. Now, luckily, there is a recent precedent from the Supreme Court of Georgia holding that this bar to successive habeas petitions does not apply in the case of newly discovered evidence that could not have been found sooner. Um, and that's from the case of Watkins v. Ballinger, i.e. Joey Watkins, um, at his last round for the Supreme Court of Georgia. And I think there's a very good chance that uh, Lee's case falls under that category of new evidence that Lee will not be penalized for not having found sooner. Well, how could he have found it when he was filing from I mean, that's being too practical because courts often don't care about that. Um, This will be litigated. Well, it will likely be litigated. And what the GIP will have to show is that reasonably Lee could not be expected to have found it in large part because this evidence was hidden by the detectives and that his failure to find it was not because of any negligence on his part, but because the investigators made sure they covered the tracks. And Kane has representation as well now, right? Yes. Kane now has counsel um, after the podcast. Uh, we were able to put him in touch with someone who now represents him. And he has not filed his own motions yet, but hopefully in the next few weeks, he too will be able to file. And potentially uh, their, their hearings will be heard at the same time. Um, although that's not been finalized yet. Well, so 20 some years later, they could be standing side by side in court, just like they were during the trial. They could be, only they'll be doing it in both Floyd County and in Coffee. And they only need one of these, each of them needs one of these to succeed. Yeah, there's two separate motions, two separate um, filings, and they stand alone. So they could win both or win one and the result would be the same. It's incredible. So what's the next steps to, to be the court has to review these? And then the next step is to get a hearing date at that point, uh, various deadlines, the, the clock starts ticking on the state's end and they'll have to file um, oppositions to them. So my suspicion is that they'll probably wait until Kane has also filed, but uh, that, that remains to be seen. Lee is in a great place right now. Courts, can go in different directions. There's no guarantees, but I, I do feel good about these filings. It's a slow process. I mean, it, it, <laughs> yeah. it feels like it's gaining momentum, but it also feels like it's hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, sort of. Um, you know, two years ago when we started, nothing like this was even on the horizon. And now the motions have been filed and it, it feels exciting. And like you said, cautiously optimistic. Don't want to yeah. jump the gun on anything, but hopefully momentum is, is moving in the right direction. And in every case I've ever worked on, you never know quite when the dam's going to break. Things can seem like they're going well and moving ahead fast and they'll stall out forever. And then suddenly one day, everything springs into motion, like Anand's case. And within two weeks, he's home. So there's still a journey ahead for both Lee and Kane, but this is a pretty big step in that direction. And you two have momentum building for season two of Proof. Well, yes, 
yeah, we're looking at some cases and um, narrowing it down and hope to start production um, in the next couple months and to launch season two in March of 2023. Great. Well, this is all exciting stuff. And we'll keep you updated about Lee and Kane's case as things go forward. And in the next, what, two weeks? Uh, Joey Watkins from season two Undisclosed is back with the Supreme Court of Georgia um, for his oral arguments. So a lot of cases with a lot of activity these days. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And if you haven't, please subscribe. That way you'll be alerted for every time we have an update. And there should be updates coming up, like Susan said, on Joy Watkins, even on Adnan and what's happening with his case with Lee and Kane, and also updates on season two. So stay tuned and thanks everyone for listening. <laughs>